0: What's working on purpose anyway? Each week we ponder the answer to this question. People ache for meaning and purpose at work, to contribute their talents passionately and know their lives really matter. They crave being part of an organization that inspires them and helps them grow into realizing their highest potential. Business can be such a force for good in the world, elevating humanity. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration to help usher in this world we all want, working on purpose. Now, here is your host, Dr. Elise Cortez.
1: Welcome back to the Working on Purpose program. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. If you've been tuning in for a while, you know this program is a thought leadership series that enlightens and inspires listeners with insights from distinguished business leaders and subject matter experts. Our conversations are designed to make you think, inspire you to ever reach for cultivating your best, and take an informed approach toward leadership and business. Our guests today are Gabrielle Bochet and Brian Bochet, co-founders of The Purpose Company. Each have authored numerous books, and together have just released their jointly-authored book called The Purpose Factor, Extreme Clarity for Why You're Here and What to Do About It. We'll be talking about this new book and a few of the key concepts that I find really compelling that I think will fundamentally alter the the course of life for the better for you if you'll just lean in and listen generously. They join us today from Dallas, Gabrielle and Brian. Welcome to Working on Purpose. Thanks
2: Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us.
1: As I told you in our email exchanges, I thoroughly enjoyed your book. I read it from cover to cover, as I'm prone to do, and it's just magnificent. I just appreciate the content, how well it's laid out, and just kudos.
2: Well, thank you. As as you know, as a, an author yourself, it certainly is a labor of love, and it has been a, a, a journey, and we're very excited for it to be released this fall.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited for you. I know it's listed on Amazon, and, and then people can pre-order as well, correct? Oh, yes. Yeah. Perfect, perfect. Okay, well, let's get into it. I want to, I think it makes a ton of sense for our listeners to understand a bit about you. So, prior to the two of you ever meeting, you both de- determined that you need to discover your own purpose. And I'd like to hear both your respective stories, obviously somewhat abbreviated. Who wants to go first?
3: I'll take it first. Um, you know, my, my journey started in terms of discovery of purpose when I was broke. Divorced, (laughs) laid off, and depressed. That's (laughs) the bullet points at the starting point. And I had some incredible mentors in my life. And uh, one of them kept telling me, you need to find your purpose, find your purpose, find your purpose. And it never came with a how. It just came with like, you need to go do that. And for me, I thought that purpose back then uh, was very emotional, that I needed to drive to the top of a mountain, discover it in a sunset. Hopefully it was the right sunset. Maybe I should go find myself in Hawaii. I couldn't afford to do that at the time. So um, I, I was very frustrated with this idea of what it meant to discover your purpose because it felt emotional. But at the time I was working as a full commission salesperson, selling self-help products. And I was on the phone with this lady uh, who said, wait a second, you know what? I can't buy anything from you. I don't even know my purpose. And I just broke script and I said, I'm with you, baby. I don't know my purpose either. And it really was a call that represented the peak of my frustration with being broke, divorced, laid off, and you know, depressed. The peak of my frustration of not being able to find that which I was being told to find. And I wanted to know, being a very linear thinker, uh, is there a process? Is there a step by step? Is there a linear progression that I can move through to first help myself discover my purpose and perhaps help others find theirs too?
1: Oh my gosh, Brian, I really understand the, the depth of 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 that chasm you were talking about. Um it wasn't quite that for me, but I do want our listeners to recognize that so they can they can connect with you, that you 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 classify yourself as being a linear thinker, that you thought it was gonna be an emotional journey, and that you really did sort of need to hit rock bottom to to get it somehow.
3: Yeah, I know rock bottom uh, has a has a very uncanny way of producing a lot of uh, motivation um, to to figure your life out. Uh, Mm. And it it has it's a great it's a great time if you're in transition, life transition, job transition, mental transition where you're in a job and you just don't like it. um, It's a great time to use that kind of pressure, flip the script on that kind of pressure and use it to discover who you are.
1: Mm -hmm, As a catalyst. And it was something like that for me, too. Uh, Divorce helped handle it for for me, too, by the way, Brian, so I get that. Um, Gabrielle? That's a good one. one. (laughs) Right? I mean, it just works for a lot of us. Uh, Gabrielle, your story.
2: Mine mine is certainly a parallel, but a a unique one in that I had done all the should-tos and supposed-tos where I had... Gone to school, gotten the degree, gotten the job, went back to school because that was the era of if you really want to make a difference in the marketplace, if you really want people to take you seriously, you need more and more degrees. So I kept going back to uh, back to school and trying to find that dream job, and uh, and and I had landed it, and I was looking at how I could make a difference. So I was working in in, in politics. Uh, it turned out that didn't help. Uh, I was working in the nonprofit space. I was you know trying to start my own company. I- I was doing all the things that I felt like would help make my life have meaning. And I woke up one day and realized that I was doing what everyone else was telling me I should do rather than doing the hard work internally to really discover who I was and who I was supposed to help.
1: Wow. That uh, that's incredibly crisp. Uh, obviously, I think you've um, done a lot of work on yourself and shared that a time or two. But I appreciate that you both have very very different stories, and that's great for our listeners to to connect with and start to peel back for themselves what w- the work that we're doing here.
2: In in that regard too, I think sometimes you have those. Those uh, moments, like Brian said, when you're hitting rock bottom, when mm. everything is, is, is falling apart around you. But sometimes there's also to those moments, like for myself, I was living this, this great, I had this great job, I had this great life from the outside, but internally there was this agony, this question of, is this all there is? Mm. The purpose can look like rock bottom, but it can also look like, that, that discovery of purpose process can look like rock bottom, but it can also look like success
1: hmm I can relate to that. That's what it was for me, too. On the outside, things look great, but on the inside, I was dying on the vine. I completely get that. Um, all right, I have to call out, um, Brian and Gabrielle, what I think is so fantastic about your book. There's many things that I think are fantastic, but this is so crisp. You distinguish in the book why and who in your book incredibly powerfully, and you say that if you want to find out how, how to be motivated, ask why, and you then go on to say if you want to find your purpose, though, ask who, and it's about solving a problem for someone, what we do for others, this is gorgeous, so say a little bit more about that.
3: Yeah, you know, there's the, the the phrase and the word why in today's marketplace of ideas, especially in the corporate space, gets thrown around a lot. And, um, you know, uh, of course, that phrase coming from, you know, the books start with why. But... Um, why is not necessarily the best starting place when it comes to discovering who you are and who you can help purpose as it relates to uh, living a fulfilled life as a human being in the world is what you have to help others and if purpose is what you have to help others then the appropriate question question isn't why that's a motivation question the appropriate question is first who am I and second who can I help because if purpose is what you have inside of you to help others, fulfillment is the result of helping others with what you have. So your fulfillment is always going to flow through your helping others. And and why? I mean, even in, in, in Cynic's case, he intended that phrase to be, uh, in essence, origin story. And origin story is one of the parts to your purpose. But most people in the marketplace misuse this phrase, why? Start with why um, to just say, well, my why is my kids, or my why is taking care of my house and while those that those can be good temporary motivators they're not they don't have a long term effect in terms of helping a lot of people and producing a lot of lasting fulfillment in your life
1: beautifully articulated Brian my goodness um, both of you are fading in and out a little bit. I don't know if you can plug in your mic a little bit differently, but you kind of get a blast of sound. So f- somehow you can modulate that. That that would be great. Um, and by the way, I got to call out Brian. Your your accent is fantastic. It's very clear that of the, the the media work that you've done in the past, but it's just it's gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you so much. And and you're you're welcome.
2: Like all the
1: time. I know, difficult. right? I think you should Except keep him, Gabrielle.
2: Has this beautiful broadcaster voice.
1: Oh, you know, it's not a bad way to start the day. <laughs> okay, so you we talked a little bit when we were exchanging and talking about how to create this conversation, and you wanted to talk about some common myths surrounding purpose. What do you mean by common myths?
3: You know, there's a lot of myths around the subject of purpose, and my favorite two myths to talk about is uh, how purpose is very often confused with passion and how it's very often confused with the pursuit of happiness. I'll take happiness first. There's actually a 2011 psychological study that literally shows that people who are most focused on pursuing happiness are actually the least happy because they conjure up they conjure up this big, beautiful blueprint in their head, and it's totally not based in reality. And when life doesn't match up to that blueprint, that idea of happiness, then they're extremely depressed, extremely anxious. So those that actually pursue happiness and make that the, the tip of their spear, if you will, are actually the least happy. The other one is confusing purpose with passion. Oxford Dictionary says... Passion is a barely controllable emotion. And while passion can produce motivation, it can also burn the house down. I mean, it can literally fire you up and burn the house down. Mm -hmm. That's the problem with passion. It's like a habit. A habit can either build you up or destroy you. Passion is the same way. And I think it's very important to understand what purpose is, is to understand what purpose is not. You know, I think focus is about elimination, not more discipline. And the way I get more focused on what purpose is, is to eliminate what purpose is not not and if you've ever wondered what purpose is it's definitely not the pursuit of happiness and it's definitely not to be confused with passion
1: Hmm. extremely well articulated and i completely agree well done oh my goodness that was that was worth the price of admission right there (laughs) all right so the next thing i'd like to do this is incredibly useful for our listeners very tight you distinguish in your book four elements to purpose discovery and i think it would be useful just to say a little bit about about each one of them
2: Sure, and the the process of discovering your purpose as as Brian and I discovered and and, and developed is, is one that we went after because we realized everyone was saying purpose was important to pursue, but we figured something that important needed to have a process. And so as we distilled insight from ancient philosophers and popular religions, even modern motivators, we found that they all had these four elements in common. The first is starting with what we call natural advantage. So natural advantage is the role that you tend to play. It's typically things that influence you as a child, where you you know tend to play the role as the organizer or as the, as the recruiter or as the teacher as a child. The second is what we call acquired skills. Acquired skills are the skills that you acquire and develop either through experience or through education or, or work on a job. So there are abilities that you've developed throughout your lifetime. The next is what we call pull passion. And pull passion is different than just passion because pull passion is the problem in the world that you're made to solve. It's what fires you up. It's what you want to be known for. It's what you get excited about when you wake up in the morning and what you think about when you go to bed at night. It's that that um, that solution that you want to bring to the world because you existed. And finally, there's origin story, which Brian had mentioned. And origin story is so powerful because it's the moment that most shaped your perspective. Oftentimes that moment has happened usually before the age of 18. And that moment could be a trauma in your life. It could be um, a failure that you experienced. It could be a loss, but it's a moment that's very distinct that before that moment happens, you are one way. And then after that moment happened, you were distinctly different. And what's so powerful about these four elements when they come together to to deliver your purpose factor, what's so powerful is that they all come together in alignment and help give so much clarity about who you are and how you can use your life to help others.
1: Gorgeous, crisp, just like the book. All right so for this next question it's a little bit different and I but I find it it's an important philosophical perspective to to situate for our listeners as we talk about this because I'm guessing some of the listeners are probably scratching their head like yeah this all sounds interesting but you know the the the, the butt piece of it is huge I found this to be so brilliant and so true and you say in your book we all have jobs waistlines and love lives we want that we want why because if we wanted something different we would have acted to change it This is so important because it's pertinent to our conversation. But if one of you or both of you could speak to that, I'd like to hear your perspective.
3: Look, where we are is where we are. What we have is what we have. And the choices we made are the choices we've made. And I think that's a tough truth. We all have the jobs, waistlines, and love love lives that we want. It's a tough truth because... Our current present reality and circumstances reflect the choices that we made or didn't make. And if we wanted something different, we would have acted to change it. And what we mean by that is that there's a distinct difference between making a real decision and a fake decision to change. A real decision is one in which you are willing to go through the sacrifice, go through the pain, put in the effort, um, and put what was the former you behind you. A fake decision is where you say things like, I should change, I could change, I want to change. But behind your back, you're crossing your finger saying, but if I want to take that cake out of the freezer, <laughs> sounds like a good idea, right? Like there's always the backup plan to go back to the old way of doing things. That's the difference between a fake decision and a real decision. But a real decision is one in which you are willing to push past the resistance. And uh, get past even the excitement of making that change, and uh, make a real uh, a real decision for your uh, for the future, for your life, and uh, what will become your new identity when you take on your purpose.
1: I think that's so important to situate, Brian. Thank you for saying it as crisply as you as you are. Both of you are very crisp and eloquent in how you speak. That I wanted to position early on in the conversation because I do want to I want to be able to have listeners leaning in for the prospect of change and transformation for themselves. So perfectly distinguished. On that, let's grab our first break. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been in the air with Gabrielle Bochet and Brian Bochet, co-founders of The Purpose Company. Each have authored numerous books and are soon to release their jointly authored book called The Purpose Factor, Extreme Clarity for your, For Why You're Here and What to Do About It. They join us today from Dallas, Texas. We've been talking a little bit about some of how they found their purpose, some of the elements of their book. After the break, we'll get the conversation. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: Now, back to Working on Purpose.
1: Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guests are Gabrielle Boucher and Brian Boucher, co founders of The Purpose Company. They have recently co authored the book, The Purpose Factor Extreme Clarity for Why You're Here and What to Do About It. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So you started to talk about this before, uh, Brian, but I think it, it bears it bears saying a little bit more from a different angle. So you say in a world obsessed with happiness, this is so clarifying, happy, happiness is not about having what you want, but wanting what you have. And then you go on to say that happiness is not about getting what we want, but giving what we have. Will you say a bit more about that?
3: I think um, today's generation, and I don't mean just millennials or Gen Z, I mean generation as everybody who's living right now has an obsessive focus on this idea of the pursuit of happiness. And the problem with pursuing happiness is it's usually about us and not others. But the problem with that is that you're actually robbing yourself from that chief source of real fulfillment, which is taking what you have inside of you, your purpose, and helping others in some tangible transformational way. And that first one, happiness is not about having what you want, but wanting what you have your purpose is like a block of marble. It already exists, it's already inside of you, and you need to just take a hammer and and a chisel and start to pull away all of the debris that is clouding you from discovering your purpose because you actually have inside of you the ability to experience true happiness, which is really fulfillment by taking what you have and getting out there and helping others. It's not about getting, I mean, I think a lot of us have experienced financial success to such a degree where we can kind of have and experience, pretty much anything we want. You know, we live in America and and we have access to a lot of things, materialism and all that stuff. But eventually you realize that just getting, 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 getting will eventually not get you anywhere. And the only thing that's going to give you something lasting and something deep is giving and giving to others with this expectation of nothing in return.
1: I want to acknowledge that both of you are such fantastic thinkers, and so crisp, and and, and how you how you are delivering your thoughts—it's beautiful. And so, listeners, what I want to distinguish what I heard is that happiness is not—it's about us, it's about others, and therefore, there I can see why this is so ineffective. That you gave me something profound there, Brian. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So I definitely agree with your position that you say in the book. You say when you know your purpose, you become an influencer. I completely agree, agree, and it's been true for me, but why? When you
2: know your purpose, it's, it's as if you have this permission to be able to finally be yourself. There are a lot of folks who suffer from imposter syndrome, feeling like they're not really um, in a position that they should be in or if someone really knew my true story or if if anyone really knew that I didn't really know what I was doing. And and that imposter syndrome oftentimes happens because we're questioning who we are and how we're truly helping other people but when you know your purpose it becomes this platform to influence others it's been said many times and, and I know John Maxwell is one of kind of the chief proponents of the definition of leadership is simply saying leadership is influence and in the same is true when it comes to, to using your purpose when you know your purpose you can't help but influence others and in a society and a day and an age where many people are looking for platforms to influence on social media, on um, putting their their brand out there and and marketing, everyone's trying to have a platform of influence. But the closer you get to your purpose, the more you are transformed into an influencer because you're using what you have to help other people. When people are helped with what you uniquely bring to the table, people they are transformed there's an a to b experience before they met you you were one way and then after they met you they were a completely different way and that transformation is the definition of influence of being able to change hearts change minds and improve the way that other people see the world and experience
1: the world gorgeous Gabrielle. and don't we all want to do that listeners isn't that all what we're up to that's just says it so well all right. I was also intrigued. You and I talked about this at the beginning, Gabrielle, when we first were chatting about coming on air. And you said you told me about the 7-1 or 7-to-1 rule, however you say that. And I'm very intrigued. I read about it in the book. But if you could distinguish it for our listeners.
3: Absolutely. I, this this happened to me. Um, I was I finished finished up eulogizing uh, my grandmother, my on my dad's side, who passed away long battle the form of Parkinson's and putting together her eulogy really made me question and ask myself, what is the value of my life? What is the value of my time and how much time do I really have? And one of the questions that crossed my mind when I was was pinning this was, how long does it take me to live just 1% of my life if I live to the average age uh, that someone lives in America, 78 years old? And the truth was a bit sobering, that 1% actually equals 7 Months, when I discovered that, it struck me white right between the eyes. I mean, I it made me think: How did I use the last seven months, and how will I use the next seven months? And it wasn't just this tool of credit accountability, if you will; it became this um, uh, focusing filter that allowed me to, when an opportunity presented itself. Um, it made me ask, is this related to my purpose? If not, then the answer is no. If it is, then the answer is yes. Uh, But it brought incredible accountability and incredible clarity to decision making. And I think it's really good for all of us to put in perspective that we're living life on a closed-ended timeline. No matter how old old you are, this is a closed-ended proposition.
1: You know, Brian, I had the good fortune uh, a couple of years ago of having an undertaker on the show. She had asked to come on, and at first I said, no, I'm not doing death. I don't do death. I do purpose and passion inspiration. That's not my camp. And then I completely got it. Wait a minute. She's the most qualified person to help us understand how our sure death fires urgency. And I completely see that.
3: It it really does. And, and honestly, uh, if you're under the age of 30 or in your 30s, Um, you know, no matter where you are in that timeline, let this speak to you, and it's not something I mean negatively. It's like, well, seven months equals one percent, get to work. No, this is a positive motivator that every morning that I wake up, I'm asking myself, This is going to be a component of my next seven months. What am I going to do with this? What race am I going to run today? What person am I going to help today? That's the idea behind the seven to one principle, it's to get you to think. That life is a closed-ended proposition, and you only have so much time, and you got to make the most of every single one percent.
1: Right, because we do not know when is the final date, when does the final curtain come down. That's exactly right. So the the intentionality piece behind that is what really strikes me.
3: Yeah, I mean, it does. It, it's 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 insane. It's it's insane. I mean, even if you live to 88, it's only eight months. You know, so it's yeah. Not, you know, if you really just look at the calculation. It, you know it's, If you're 98 years old, it's nine months, but at the same time, it's less than 10 months, it's less than a year equals 1% of your productive life, and that should bring a sobering reality to everybody to find out who they are and who they're meant to help. Mm-hmm. Agreed.
1: I, I, I presence the same thing in my work. Agreed. Okay. So I think it would help our listeners just a little bit. You, I'm not going to go into, ask you to go into a lot of detail, but just to give them some some further connection to your, your beautiful work. You talk about five types of natural advantage. Will you say a little bit about some of them or all of them? So we start with
2: natural advantage because natural advantage is the role that you tend to play. It's the role that you tend to play in your family, in your group of friends, in every job that you've had. And you'll start to notice that there's a pattern that's developed that you tend to always be that person, that guy, that girl in your group of friends. And so we've actually developed some categories, some types to be able to help people identify what role they tend to play. So one of them is the builder. Builders organize people. And so they're looking at how can we start something. They're the instigators, the entrepreneurs, the one who are thinking of new things, who get really excited at at liftoff, the launch of a new idea. There's also the truth teller. Truth tellers are always asking why. Why is it this way? Why isn't it that way? They want to get down to the truth of the matter. They are unafraid of challenging the status quo and find so much joy in being able to get down to what's really going on. The third group is the teacher Teachers love explaining things. They're focused on the how. They want to absorb as much information they can so that they can quickly turn around and help other people understand new information. The fourth group are what we call the overseers. They're organizing things. So they're looking at how to keep things nice and clean. They're looking at how other people can be taken care of. They're extremely compassionate and want to make sure others are taken care of. And the final group is the recruiter. So they're that salesperson. They're constantly getting people on their side of things. They're winning people over. They're the ones who are obsessed with a a new brand or a new idea or a new person that comes across their path. And so each of these unique types, you start to develop some of these patterns early in life. And we have people start with natural advantage because many students go through our program. They'll read our book. They'll listen to us and they'll say, what should I study? Start with natural advantage. If you're wondering, hey, I'm kind of midlife. I want to know what's next. What am I naturally good at? Focus on natural advantage. So we really want to turn people's eyes toward what role do you tend to play? Because that's where you're going to find the most joy, the most fulfillment, and the most opportunity to be able to use your purpose.
1: I found that very useful. I think the way that you classify information to give people access to discovering their purpose and who they're going to help. I think it's just it's incredibly useful. I'm very I'm envious at how well you've you've crafted that. So kudos to both of you.
2: Well, thank you. We, we were extremely intentional and truly labored over giving people a, a, a plan to be able to get extreme clarity about that purpose. Because there's a commission to use your purpose, but if you don't have clarity on the elements of your purpose and understanding how it is not only discovered, but used, you're, you're going to be frustrated, you're going to be um, challenged to be able to have those moments of fulfillment, what we call fulfillment transactions. You want more of those, but you won't know how unless you get that extreme clarity.
1: Mm-hmm. Agreed, and well said. To that end, I wanted just to talk a little bit about acquired skills to whatever extent you want, want to, but what I got from reading your book was that you're you're suggesting we must identify them, we have to grow them, use them to help others, but it's really about who you're becoming to help others more, and that you, you talk about fulfillment requires this personal growth. Would you say a little something about acquired skills?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, they're, they're certain, we organize it into categories, too, inside the book in terms of types of acquired skills. But the most important thing is that acquired skills come from your life experience, your education, and your professional experience. And these are the things that um, have equipped you to help others, and they also determine your value in the marketplace. But the key is determining your top acquired skill, the one that's most leverageable for you to help people. And the key is to always be growing. Fulfillment requires growth and giving. That's critical. If you're going to be fulfilled, you must grow what you have and give it to others. So if you stop growing, you're going to stop being fulfilled. And if you stop growing, you're not going to be able to give all that much to others. But acquired skills are tr- truly that that value determination uh, that gives someone the ability to help someone for value in the marketplace. And you'll notice very quickly, I'll just say this very quickly, uh, that we never talked about natural talent. Because natural talent is simply just an early proficiency in a skill set. It may be at the age of two, age of seven, age of 18. I think people overemphasize natural talent and it gives people an excuse not to grow in their skills and grow in their natural advantage and and almost causes them to sit back and take advantage of what they take for granted what they have and kind of sit on the sidelines and not really use it.
1: Wow, that that opens something for me, Brian, and I, I, I absolutely agree with you. And and you're right, it's so easy to sit in your laurels, like I've always been good at this kind of thing. But and I was just having a conversation before I got on air with both of you with another friend talking about how this show for me is my ongoing catalyst for for development and growth, among other things, right? Because what do I do, I devour the book or the person that I'm really speaking with, like yours, and then we converse over it. So it's, it's like my ongoing university. Yeah, and there's nothing like live radio to grow you, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. And on that note, let's grab our last break. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We're on the air with Gabrielle Bochet and Brian Bochet, co-founders of The Purpose Company. Each have authored numerous books and are soon to release their jointly authored book called The Purpose Factor, Extreme Clarity for Why You're Here and What to Do About It. Join us today from Dallas. After the break, we're going to talk about the application of purpose. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: Now, back to Working on Purpose.
1: Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guests are Brian Boucher and Gabrielle Boucher, co-founders of The Purpose Company. They have recently co-authored the book, The Purpose Factor, Extreme Clarity for Why You're Here and What to Do About It. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So for this next bit here, I want to get more into the application piece. But before we do, there's a couple of things that I wanted to clarify for our listeners that I think are just stupendous. Um, And I find this so true for the work that I do, too. But you have, I love your unique phrase of a pull passion. So you say that often our pull passion was there all along. We simply just didn't notice it or have the words to describe it. Completely agree. Um, and it was something that was pulling us, but we never allowed ourselves to pursue it. Can you say more about this or share something that helps us better understand?
2: Pull passion is an element of, of your purpose, and we put it kind of squarely in the middle because you can't start with passion but you can't end with passion and passion is such an incredible part of finding and and using your purpose but it can't be the only thing and why we call it pull passion because pull passion is the problem in the world that you want to solve it's what pulls you it's what motivates you it makes you push harder go farther uh, question more and uh this idea of, of pole passion being there all along is something that we've noticed with many of the folks that we worked with we were working with an eye surgeon for example who thought that he needed to uh, spend his his um, retirement year starting a nonprofit and traveling around the world and he wasn't quite there yet and so in the meantime he found he found the small P passions the hobbies he became a pilot he you know uh, started working out more he was doing all the things to keep himself occupied until his real passion he had time for. But throughout this process, he discovered that his pull passion was actually helping the people who were coming into his office every single day. He recognized that he was a problem solver, focusing on the specific needs of those people who were in his office. And getting that clarity on how he was able to use each element of his purpose factor, he recognized that all along, hidden right in plain sight, he had his purpose right in front of him. And I think sometimes we want to um, have a romantic view of how we're going to find our our pole passion, that there's this this fantastical view of this amazing moment, like Brian said, the sunset, the moment, the Yoda in our life that shows us what we're supposed to do and where we're supposed to go. But it doesn't happen for many of us. And so focusing on what's right in front of you, what's that problem in the world that you want to solve? It doesn't necessarily have to be what we call the Miss America answer answers like world peace and solving these major world problems sometimes it's just you know improving the internet bandwidth of a a community or sometimes it's making people laugh and keeping people entertained or improving a widget a problem in the world that you want to solve can be big but it also can be extremely small
1: that's so helpful, and you're right. I think people has have this 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 fantastical notion that it's going to be like, you know, the angels are going to sing, and all these amazing things are going to happen, and that's what it takes to line all that up to 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 realize our purpose. So I appreciate that. It might just be right there in front of front of you, and you could be could have been doing it for quite some time, but didn't see it as purpose. Exactly. Gorgeous. I want to monitor time here because there's a couple questions I want to make sure and get in. Um, Let's do this. I want to talk a little bit more. You did already say something about this earlier, Gabrielle, and I don't know if you want to weigh in too, Brian, but this is such an important thing to distinguish um, that help equals transformation in those we serve. Will you say a little bit more about that?
3: Yes. Purpose is what you have to help others and keyword help, but what is help? Well. The marketplace has people in it and people have problems and problems need solutions. And our goal is to use exactly and precisely what's inside of us to create solutions to those problems for those people. And the best way that we can do that to ensure that we've done that is to bring about a transformation. If you've ever seen a workout infomercial, uh, you've already seen this. When you see a workout infomercial, it's one hour, it's five minutes of information and, you know, 55 minutes of testimonials because those testimonials show you a guy that had no abs and then he has abs. And there's a whole bunch of awkward actors, you know, sweating on the workout equipment and still smiling and and all of that. But the the key component of the commercial is a transformation. And transformation is truly, truly powerful. In fact, it's, it's what is the cornerstone of word of mouth for a product. Uh, If you get a transformation, you can't help but share it with somebody else. And if you're looking to be a successful brand or a company or a personality or a speaker, if you provide transformation in the minds of the people that you're meant to serve, if you'll do that, you really will have to to lock the doors to keep people away from your brand. Uh, And and it's going to become very palpable what you do for people. And people are going to be inclined to share it and inclined to talk about it.
1: Mm-hmm. love that. all right. that's it. Word on the street. word word of mouth. I love that. And the way you said it too, Brian, gorgeous to be able to get access to that. right. If somebody has been transformed, you're right. Why wouldn't you want to share that? You could not share that
3: exactly. and that's the that's the the point is that you know, a lot of brands and companies out there that are struggling, they're not struggling because, you know, the economy or anything like that. What they're struggling with is to provide an actual transformation for people uh actual transformation you won't have revenue problems uh that's just that's just the critical bottom line truth is that so many people are distracted by what's my marketing strategy what's our ramp up strategy how do we get funded how do we do all this stuff but if they never manage to create like a proof of concept for the actual transformation that they are meant to provide all the strategy in the world doesn't matter
1: Mm Hmm. Mm Hmm. agreed beautiful you know, it occurred to me, I was, I was, I think we should probably say a little bit more about origin stories, because I'm guessing some of the listeners really don't know what we mean by that. It's hard for them to, to, to get their head around that. Um, so you talk about the, that they, they, they generally happened before the, the age of 18, I think you said. Can one of you share more, or maybe give an example or a story of that Absolutely. So your origin
2: story is that moment that has most shaped your perspective. And so, again, there are five types of origin stories as well. They could include anything from a trauma that happened. So perhaps there was a a physical trauma or a, a sexual trauma that happened before the age of 18 where before that event, you saw the world one way, and then afterwards, you saw the world very, very differently. Uh, that trauma could be a parent's divorce. Um, there's also to the uh, an example of a loss overcomer story, and someone who's experienced a loss. It could be a divorce. It could be a bankruptcy. It could be, um, you know, someone very close to them who, who's passed away. And what we found was, as people started to go into their origin story. Mm-hmm. Recognizing that there were these moments that not only shape the way they see the world, it's also to the way that they see themselves. An origin story. we as humans, we're, we're obsessed with stories. Even when we're sleeping, we're telling ourselves stories. And what we found was when we started to help people identify that moment in the world, in in their past, that most shaped them. It could could have been a parent yelling at them, saying that you're no good at this, or it could have been, you know, parents um, who have said, you know, you're you're not going to amount to anything. Those moments become cemented in our brains that um, cause us to either question ourselves, and and cause us to to hold back on on really pursuing what we have to to help other people. And unlocking your origin story is such a powerful permission point for people when they recognize that. Everything that has happened to you has actually happened for you. And to turn that bitterness of that terrible event and that hardship into something that you can then use to be able to help someone else overcome, that's when power comes to actually using your
1: purpose. That was very helpful, Gabrielle, and definitely built on what you said before. I think it gives our listeners just much more access to what an origin story is and maybe start to think about how to find their own perfect Okay, now let's talk about how can we apply purpose? Can you say a couple things? I don't know how you want to do it, but I just want to help our listeners understand how can purpose be applied?
3: This is the big miss of the entire purpose, motivation, industry in that there's a huge focus on the emotional discovery component of finding your purpose but a huge gap and a missing piece when it comes to applying your purpose to the marketplace and helping other people and experiencing fulfillment. But at the end of the day, it comes down to three things. Once you discover your exact purpose, it's three things. First, you need to focus on what group of people are you best fit to help? That's the first question. The second question is what problem do those people have? That you're best equipped to solve. And then of course, what's the solution? But you have to take people first because there are no problems without people, and there are no solutions where there are no problems. So that, that's how you get practical about how you help people. Um, and this, and again, like this is the big miss when it comes to motivation. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, discover yourself, find yourself, find your purpose, um, motivational mantras, inspirational music. But at the end of the day, most of the industry misses this practical piece, this how do you go out there and do it piece. And when we set out to write uh, The Purpose Factor, um, this was going to be the distinguishing principle uh, in terms of what we were offering was that we were going to go the extra mile and we were going to help people discover how to use it. And then third, go even further, help people at the brain science level destroy the mindsets that hold them back from actually taking action.
1: Mm. That is so powerful, Brian, as you know, and I really appreciate that because you're right. There is so much talk about the, the emotional piece of discovering purpose and how great it feels and how good it is for you, et cetera. But the practical piece is missing.
3: It is. It is the biggest miss so far today when it comes to the purpose space, if you will. And um, I think it leaves a lot of people actually more depressed than they started. Remember we said those who seek happiness are actually the most depressed compared to those who don't. You know, if you only find your purpose but never use your purpose, you actually might be more depressed than when you started because there's nothing worse than to know what you're supposed to do but not actually do it or know how to do it. And it can leave you in a really bad place. In fact, you know, to only know your purpose and not use your purpose, it, ignorance is bliss might be better, actually, uh, than that circumstance.
1: I completely agree with that, Brian, right? I can't imagine uh, being more frustrated with your life and your world if you know your purpose and you're not using it. I, 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 th- I think there's, to a certain extent, I probably have experienced that. Before I got divorced, I think I was a little bit in that camp, but I wasn't completely uh, centered on my purpose, but I was, I was I had enough access to it and I knew I wasn't doing it. And it wasn't using it, and I hated myself for it.
3: Yeah, it, it's, it's agonizing. And to, it was. Know, find a way to take action.
1: Yeah, it was agonizing. Um, all right, so I, I, I appreciate what you said in the book here about, you, you say the perp- your purpose factor is your priority. And you say, and you, I think you said this before, Brian, but anything that does not support that does not belong on your agenda. So powerful, so crisp. Say more
3: yeah no, we for me, it's there's there's got to be a one degree connection here. There's got to be a one degree connection. Anytime I've ever presented or we're ever presented with opportunities, we have to ask that one degree question. In the short term, near term at the most the medium term is this opportunity connected to being able to take more action and help more people if there isn't a one degree connection or the likelihood of a one degree connection uh soon uh we tend to avoid it because it's not just your priority your purpose is not just your priority it's your duty you know we all have duties take care of our house take care of our families take care of our bills that's the minimum duty the maximum duty is to take what you have get out there and help people because it is only then you'll experience fulfillment. So it's both priority and duty. And uh, for, for us, there's a very clear distinction as to whether or not to even take on a project or a task or a goal, if it has no degree connection to our purpose.
1: And that goes back to what we said before, Brian, right? The seven seven to one rule, um, right? So that just that there's an intentionality, there's a, the idea of, of really maximizing your time, your effort, your motivation.
3: That's exactly right, that's exactly right. And um, at the end of the day, if you were to leave tomorrow and you wouldn't get any more time, what race would you run today? What person would you help? What group of people would you help? And if there's anything standing in your way or distracting you from that, that's that's that moment of truth where you've got to put those things aside, albeit painfully so, because sometimes we have to get rid of things we like. That's the idea of pruning. Taking off flowers that are just okay to allow greater flowers to grow.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Okay, we have a little bit extra time here that I that I want to be able to extract from whatever we you'd like to be able to share. Before we close, Brian and or Gabrielle, it, what happened I asked so far that you would like to share?
2: I think a big component of, of what we've been able to see breakthrough, those moments happen when we help people recognize that their purpose is their permission that you don't have to wait for permission from other people. You don't have to wait for permission from a a platform, from a partner, from a, a degree, from a job, from an expert certification. I think so often we are... Trained to wait for other people to say, yes, you are allowed to do this from a very young age. And because we have this permission mindset ingrained in us from, a, from, from childhood, so many times we reach middle age even, and we're still waiting for someone to come along and say, you're allowed to do this. But when you discover your purpose, and as Brian said, your purpose is your duty, you are not only empowered, you are, are permissed to be able to break free and break through into a season of your life where you're fully alive and fully fulfilled, where you're not just trying to gather those fulfillment transactions whenever you can, maybe you know volunteering on the weekends or sitting on a board or trying to give to a charity. All of those are good. But if that's not in alignment with your purpose, then you're just sitting and waiting for someone else to come along and say, this is what you should do or you're allowed to do something. So getting that extreme clarity on your purpose, doing it now and not waiting for a moment of retirement or a layoff or you know, a divorce or a season in, in your life where things have slowed down. Rather than waiting for a crisis of purpose to find you, determine and decide that you know where you want to go, that you're Your purpose is your duty and that you are empowered to be able
1: to use it to help as many people as you possibly can. That was a fantastic addition, Gabrielle. Thank you. All right. Now, here we are at the end of the show. I would love it if maybe each of you could say a little something in closing, say maybe 30 seconds each, something like that.
3: Yeah, I think, and maybe this is very appropriate for right now, is that Everybody's in transition right now. The economy's in transition. 30 plus million people are either out of work or furloughed and everybody's in some kind of job life transition or maybe even a mental transition where you're like, I kind of like what I do, but I'm kind of not liking what I do. And if that's the case, there's no better time to discover your exact purpose and figure out how you're going to use it either in your current role or how you're going to do something else. And I would tell you right now, don't wait. Seven months goes by quickly. A decade goes by quickly. And change is never convenient, and it never comes at the, quote, perfect time. So in this season, this period, this time of transition, now is the time to make that discovery.
1: Beautiful and agreed. Gabrielle?
2: Yes, it's this, um, you have the opportunity now to be able to go deep, to discover who you are and to get extreme clarity again on who you are and how you can help people. So don't ask the question why, focus on who, focus on who you
1: are and who you can help. Beautiful way to finish, Brian and Gabrielle. Thank you so very much for being on the program and sharing your beautiful heart, your soul and your, your fantastic expertise.
3: Absolute pleasure.
1: If you want to learn more about about Gabrielle and Brian, start by visiting their website. It's PurposeFactorBook.com. Last week, if you missed the live show, you can always catch a recorded podcast. We were on the air with Christian Krom, a futurist from the Netherlands and author of Humanification. Go digital, stay human. We talked about the opportunity we as humans have when we collaborate with technology to elicit our higher human competencies in the workplace and usher in a bright future that nonetheless still needs our intentional stewardship. Next week, we'll be on the air with David Drake of the Moment Institute talking about how to create transformative encounters in the workplace. See you there. Remember that work is at least a third of our life, so let's work on purpose. (music)